So hello everyone and welcome to Friday of this first week. Um, big day for us Friday. We have exposition all day long down at St. Michael's. We have mass at six o'clock on Friday here today. Then we have stations at 630 and then we have an evening of prayer and praise together at seven o'clock here at our Mother of Sorrows. But we also have liturgy of the word here today. And may I say also looking forward to seeing you this weekend. And if not, seeing you this way virtually as well. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let's open ourselves up to God's grace and know that we are accepted by this God of ours as you watch us right here and right now. Let's ask him now for his mercy. Lord Jesus, you heal the sick. Lord, have mercy. You bring pardon and peace to sinners. Christ, have mercy. You intercede for us and you're praying for us, opening your, giving us your spirit at the right hand of the Father all the time. Lord, have mercy. And the Almighty God, have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. Grant that your faithful Lord, we pray, may be so conformed to the Paschal observance that the bodily disciplines now solemnly begun may bear fruit in the souls of all. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord God, if the wicked man turns away from all the sins he committed, if he keeps all my statutes and does what is right and just, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the crimes he committed shall be remembered against him. He shall live because of the virtue he has practiced. Do I indeed derive any pleasure from the death of the wicked, says the Lord God? Do I not rather rejoice when he turns from his evil way than he may live? And if a virtuous man turns from the path of virtue to do evil, the same kind of abominable things that the wicked man does, can he do this and still live? None of his virtuous deeds shall be remembered, because he has broken faith and committed sin. Because of this, he shall die. You say, the Lord's way is not fair. Hear now, house of Israel, is it my way that is fair, or rather are not your ways unfair? When someone virtuous turns away from virtue to commit iniquity and dies, it is because of the iniquity he committed that he must die. But if the wicked turning, turning from the wickedness he has committed does what is right and just, he shall preserve his life since he has turned away from all the sins that he has committed. He shall surely live and he shall not die. The word of the Lord. With the Lord there is mercy and full redemption. With the Lord there is mercy and full redemption. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my voice in supplication. If you, O Lord, mark iniquities, Lord, who can stand? But with you is forgiveness, that you may be revered. With the Lord there is mercy and full redemption. With the Lord there is mercy and full redemption I trust in the Lord my soul trusts in his word 
My soul waits for the Lord more than sentinels wait for the dawn. Let Israel wait for the Lord. With the Lord there is mercy and full redemption. With the Lord there is mercy and full redemption. For with the Lord there is kindness. With him is plenteous redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all their iniquities. With the Lord there is mercy and full redemption. With the Lord there is mercy and full redemption. you a reading from the holy reading from the holy gospel according to matthew glory to you O lord i was going to say a reading from the holy spirit that too probably jesus said to his disciples i tell you unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and pharisees you will not enter in the kingdom of heaven wow you have heard that it was said to your ancestors you shall not kill whoever kills will be liable to judgment but i say to whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment Whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there, recall that your brother has anything against you. Leave your gift there at the altar. Go first to be reconciled with your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Set it with your opponent quickly while on the way to court. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge. The judge will hand you over to the guard and you'll be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, here's one of those uh, readings again from the Sermon on the Mount that seems so incredibly impossible, and by our own means is indeed impossible. But, let's get at the heart of this. This is very important that we look at um, the first sentence because... The whole Sermon on the Mount, Mount, I think, is based on, in our gospel today, is based on this first sentence. Now, remember the scribes and Pharisees were hugely important, most especially the Pharisees. Um, they were well-respected, extremely religious, very serious about their faith. In many ways, they saved Judaism. So why, and by the way, I think Jesus was even taught by Pharisees. So why, why would Jesus ever say, our righteousness must surpass them, or won't get into the kingdom. Um, 
I think for the most part, I was taught uh, by people who were pretty much pharisaical in how they saw all of this. And I think that's quite a remarkable statement. What does Jesus mean by all of this? Basically, the Pharisees believed that they could earn their salvation. They could be good enough to keep the law. And so, therefore, if they're keeping the law, they also condemned those who could not or would not keep the law. Now, anytime you try to earn something, isn't it, just, just keep on the lookout. You're always condemning those who don't earn the same thing you do. You don't look at their circumstances or situation or you just realize they're not earning it the same way you do. And so this judgment, this condemnation of others is oftentimes something that, that um, is part and parcel of this idea of earning something or earning your salvation. And you notice all of it is about externals. Now, today in the gospel, what Jesus is saying, different from the scribes and Pharisees, is he's calling for a radical interiorization of what he's trying to say to us. A total obedience to God, surrender to God's will, trust in God that what comes from radical openness to God's grace and is impossible without. Let me say that again. A trust in God that comes from a radical openness to God's grace that we cannot do without. Now, what is this grace? Now, this quote uh, behind me, simply accept the fact that you're accepted, comes from Paul Tillich. And Paul Tillich wrote what is considered one of the greatest homilies of the 20th century, accept that you're accepted. And in that homily, he takes, uh, uh, he takes on the word grace, he takes on the word sin, and he says that um, those two words are so overused that they've lost their meaning completely. And the one I want to take on today for just a moment, if I may, is take on the word grace. I'm going to share what he has to say in just a moment. But listen, listen to what the catechism says about grace. He says, our justification comes from the grace of God. Grace is favor, a free and undeserved help that God gives us to respond to the call to become children of God, which is our greatest identity. Adopted sons, partakers of the divine nature. That help a little bit, uh, maybe not too much, kind of a, a, of a wordy, kind of a churchy way of dealing with it. If you spend a lot of time with it, you might grasp something in there. It goes on to say, grace is our participation in the life of God. Now, now that's something I think that begins to make some sense to us. What I'd like to do now is share a little bit from this homily of Paul Tillich uh, of what he says about grace. And he's talking about most especially Paul. And uh, that text of Scripture from Romans chapter 5, verse 20, where sin has abounded, grace abounds all the more. But anyway, grace abounds all the more. Here is what he says, just a little bit of what he says about grace. Grace is an experience, not an idea. For the Apostle Paul, grace points to the most overwhelming and determining experience of his life. Paul was struck, overwhelmed, found himself accepted, found that he was reconciled to others, found himself reunited with that which he belonged. These phrases do not speak of an achievement, but of a gift. Ah, no achievement, but a gift given to Paul. It had something to do with the picture of Jesus as the Christ, but also had to do with something eye-opening in the inner life of Paul. 
So, what does it mean to be struck by grace? I mean, struck by grace. Paul, whenever he was uh, um, knocked to the ground on the road to Damascus, he was struck. So grace wasn't just this nice benign thing that kind of happens to us. It overpowered him. It struck him in a most profound kind of a way. And so that's an attempt to get you to see what grace is. And now because of grace, this grace I'm talking about here and here, all the gospel becomes possible for us. Reconciliation becomes possible. Forgiveness becomes possible. Not judging other persons becomes possible for us. Bring your gift to the altar. Leave it there. Go back and reconcile now because of grace. Then come back and offer your gift. Grace motivates. Grace changes our thinking and our mind. Grace changes our attitude. Grace changes everything in us. Transforms us into the likeness of Jesus. We become children of the Father, which is our greatest identity. Now, when you and I stay in our anger, what kind of happens to us? Now, um, I, I just read recently, trapped rattlesnakes uh, in their anger, uh, maybe I could say in our lack of forgiveness, but a trapped rattlesnake in their anger and frustration, uh, they will bite themselves in complete total frustration. And that's what happens to us. We don't open ourselves up to forgiveness or reconciliation in God's grace. We keep biting ourselves over and over again. Um, don't we do the same thing as snakes do with our anger and our resentment? Um, hate in our lives is not being in touch, in touch with God's grace in our lives. Does that make sense? I hope so. So if there's any reckon, and, and may I, may I just finally say, Sacrament of Reconciliation is going to be more and more open to us as the Lenten season unfolds. Please, please, please consider taking advantage of all that and, and, and somehow dealing with the anger, frustration. Open yourself up to God's grace. We're going to be transformed into the very likeness of Jesus. So here's my questions for today, folks. Um, have you opened yourself up to God's grace? Or to put it a different way, have you been struck by grace? Kind of like Paul. God bless you, folks. Thanks for joining me and looking forward to seeing you this weekend. Uh, and also, too, seeing you uh, Sunday evening at um, YouTube Live, Follow Your Faith. Got a great show, I think, for you to talk about a lot of things that people have been asking us to deal with as far as our life of faith is concerned. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.